Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Josh Spodek. I'm here again with Ambrose Carroll. How are you doing? Doing great today, Josh. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. And we spoke before and I had to stop you from telling me how things went. So I'm on pins and needles. And also, I wish we'd recorded before because our conversations get very interesting. So I hope we catch a, a little of that when we talk this time. So when last we recorded, I'd asked you what the environment meant to you and you'd shared some things and then taken on a commitment. Can you refresh our memories? Yeah, so I uh, definitely took on a commitment or two. The one that stands out is that we were going to try to redo more composting. Mm -hmm. So that was a piece that stood out that we were just not able to get to over these months and then movement. Can you remind me what prompted that? I prompted, I asked the question, but do you remember what that was, what feelings I was acting on or what history? Yeah, yeah. Just when I glanced, like the uh, things that I had begun prior to going out, and it was after we had done one of our summits, we had some young people and they were actually giving buckets or some kind of wear to help you compost in your home. And so we had bought, bought, bought that home and started the process and then fell short of it. So when asked, like, what is a thing that I would want to do to establish? That's what came up for me. I said, I need to get back to that. So it's something lying out there for you. I'm also wondering before that, the what does nature mean to you? What is when you think about the environment? Is it because you're this is something that someone else is doing and you're like, oh, I can do that too. But presumably there's something when you think of nature, what do you think of? Oh man, when I think of nature, I think of I think of the totality of creation. So of course, as a clergy person, we think about all that is created being so very connected and so very necessary and needed. So when I think about nature, I think about places, landscapes of which my family comes from in the South, being very close to the land. And think about that in relation to a lot of us who now live in urban centers so far away from land and so far away being from what we would consider or pops up in our mind as nature. I wanted to bring it back to that because I'll ask later if if you had that in mind while you're doing the the composting and so if that made a difference. But now I'm curious, so what did happen? How did things go? And oh you said we. That's you and your congregation, you and your family? Oh, me and my family. Okay. And then how did yeah. it go? Well well it didn't go. <laughs> so of course so when asked, I was like, this is something that we can revisit. So there had been a time where we started off and it went well and the children were relatively excited. And we had a lot of it comes to kind of place and space. Of course, we're doing the recycling. Here's the washing dishes. Here's a step on the compost. Here's where the food goes here. And we probably worked it for maybe four or five months before just the things weren't in place. I think we had some disposable linings, some compostable linings and stuff like that. And those weren't in place. And maybe it stood too long in one place. And then we you know, lost sight of it. This time, after making the, the commitment as something to get back to, life just happened. And a plethora uh, of things moved to life in the last six months. Coming out of one congregation, starting a brand new congregation, and a lot of other things. 
So that's just a piece that was not able to happen. We were even in the midst of moving at one time and then didn't move, so we were packing and whatever. So it's more of those things. When it comes to the composting. Oh, I had a whole bunch of questions, but the way that you said when it comes to the composting makes me think something else came up that maybe was different. Well, no, I think the commitments on the day that we met last, the wife and I were had made a commitment that day around changing some dietary habits. I think we were actually entering a cleanse that was very successful and have been pretty consistent with some of those changes over that same time frame. And so the time and attention there, even in the midst of the ups and downs, has been been successful and it's definitely connected to how we feel about the planet and our interactions with everything and our own, you know, bodies and mortality and all that good, good stuff. So do you mind if I ask a couple that, questions? That, that commitment. Do you mind if I ask a couple questions about the about how things did or didn't go with the composting? Sure. Because when you did it or didn't do it, did you consciously choose not to do it, or did you not really think about it until we reconnected, or something in between, something different? Yeah, it was always something in between. Always, even before, which is why it came to mind is something that that is always a part of the intention. So it's always from month to month and time to time, something that, okay, let me get those pieces together and let's have those conversations and let's begin to model that. And so it was just the the practicality of getting to it that just didn't, didn't happen as far as I can think of. When you talk about the practicality of it, I'm thinking about in the frame of what you described of, your connection to the land that you came from in the South and the urbanism that is, uh, if I'm not saying it wrong, like creeping in or changing your, your culture or how how you live. Was this connected to a return to that in your mind or was it something that didn't really connect? Maybe, Oh, it's just a convenient thing because people were here. Did it actually, a lot of times when I do this with people, I ask them, what does the environment mean to them? And when it goes really well, they think of that thing, that connection. For you, a land that you're no longer connected with physically right now, but emotionally and mentally, I think you want to be more connected with. Sometimes people can have that connection. And for everyone else, it's unique. For everyone, it's their own thing. When that connection is there, they tend to act on that. But a lot of times I say, when you, would you act on it? And they think of something that they read about that isn't really actually connected to their personal experience. Mm, When that happens, I can't always tell. And as I've done this more and more, I'm more in tune to like, I'll say, someone will say that they're really connected with, maybe they grew up by the beach and the ocean's very important to them. And then they'll say, I'll go without straws for a little while. Now, straws and ocean can be connected, but sometimes it's not connected for them at all. And they're not doing something from their heart. They're doing something out of obligation or out of coercion or out of shame, as opposed to, out of an inner joy or, you know, something like that. And I wonder, did it, since you said some people were doing something that seemed convenient, that doesn't necessarily mean it's from the heart. It may be, it might not be. Yeah. The heart, the mind, the soul. Yeah, I think those things are interesting. I think you're really depending on kind of what brings on movement or 
or where you have to be in terms of changing. We always talk about if you change your mind, the Bible talks about renewing your mind and so that your character can change and you can have life movement. But when it hasn't changed and it's a goal outside peace, like when does that happen? Or does that ever happen? Or is that the thing closest to your heart? I guess you would say is the question. For me, when I look back on these pieces, I think things start in the mind. Like when you say something that we read, I'm on my way to going to have a conversation next few weeks. I mean, it's something called the creative brain piece. They're looking at the brain and then they're looking at trauma. And like how trauma disconnects you. So when I talk about where we come from and being from the South, like a lot of those things are like things that we've read, stories that we've heard. And looking at those things are sometimes laden in the DNA. We've got to wake up some of those things. We've got to revisit some of those things. So we have to keep talking about them until we perhaps experience that heart change that moves us along the way. So when I talk about even where we are with composting further away, where we are with what has happened with the changes that have been made around food that years ago were further away than the composting is now. So it's like, how do you keep the goal in front of you and how do you know, by what we would say, by God's grace, do you grow into the person and the persona that you want to be? For me, I think that's a part of the process. And in full agreement that when things are at heart level, then they become not only much easier to do, but more of an expression of who you are. And so sometimes in this work, especially with the populations that I work with, this may sound absurd, but this is really terminology that we use. Sometimes you got to fake it until you make it, right? You got to keep the goal in front of you. Like, I would say when it comes from the heart, it's almost impossible not to do it. It may take a little time if we are swimming against the current. For me, I think a lot of people would identify me as an environmentalist and I have to fight against an association that I cannot stand of messages like, here's one little thing you can do for the environment, which to me implies you don't want to do it. You know, what I usually <laughs> say is no one ever said seatbelt right. Mondays or drinkless driving Tuesdays. They right. say meatless Mondays and it implies, I know you want to eat meat, you want to eat meat, but you, you have to not. And that, but when we do it for our intrinsic, authentic, motivations from our hearts, from our souls. It may be that we're used to doing it one way, but it's inevitable that we have to change. And I can't stand when people coerce, convince, cajole, to imply to someone that they have to do something that is our some of our deepest joys. Connecting with nature to me is we connect with people, we connect with ourselves, we connect with nature. And when in human history has it been impossible to have people live where they couldn't simply walk to a grove of trees and be in solitude? And now billions of people 
don't have that. And to me, to, re to restore that is as wholesome as anything. And we, some, a lot of people don't even know that they're missing it. Correct. I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship. And I'm glad that people are like finding about eating bugs. But that seems to me scraping the bottom of the barrel. That's like hitting rock bottom and then falling through again. They're okay, I'm not, I'm not as familiar. People aren't eating bugs here because they're trying to sample a different culture. They're doing it because that's what we got left. Everything else wow. is we've, like destroyed. And wow. that's not something to be proud of. I hope some entrepreneurs make some money out of it. If it's healthy, that's the business. But you know, I, I don't think we should pretend this is like our life dream was like, oh, I can't wait to have crickets for dinner. Sure, if you go to another culture where they've eaten crickets forever, enjoy that culture, get that cultural exchange. That's not what's going on here. What's going on here is that we look at factory farming and we know the dead zones in the Gulf of Mexico coming off of the, the Mississippi River and all the damage, how much it's decreasing Earth's ability to sustain life. Now, okay, what I'm saying here, I'm not spouting off some statistics because like, you must know this. I'm saying what... This is to me like, how do I put it? It's this travesty that I can't bear to watch, see happen while I'm around without doing something about it. And I'm not compelled to do it. I'm not um, for, obligated to do it. And so that's why I insisted and pressed on where's this coming from? Or what is the environment for you? How much are you willing to accept, if I'm not too forward, accept well, life just happened that way because wow. you're living in a culture that is the culture that, from what I hear from you, you don't like. So I think the one word, you talk about our, our values at Greenwood Church and other places where I, I work, they always center around courage, Afrocentricity, resilience, and empowerment. I think it's the word, I think it's the word empowerment that some also maybe confuse it or think about the word entitlement. Ukraine is at war right now with Russia. And I see people in the streets, right, literally fighting for, for their country. Like they literally have a place and a space that they're like this far and no further. And they're sold out and they're willing to put down their lives. For that, and we see people in other parts of the world fighting for their place in space. Depending on who they are and where they are, we talk about them differently. But still, when people are oppressed, like they feel like they can make a change to and in their lives. So when I talk about a quote unquote African American community, we're talking in some instances communities that don't necessarily have place in space, that have lived in ghettos created by other people, have been put in housing conditions that have been redlined and are eating food that are food-like substances. Their land in Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama has been literally taken from them, right? Land that had been their families for years, and now they're in these urban centers. So when you talk about taking power for them and having the ability 
to forsake their surroundings and their new environment that they've been in for the last 40, 50 years, whereas some in our community may be 40 years old and have never been back to Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas. They don't know that. And even the church experience that would be, that would look like and feel like that era and that culture, they don't know that. For them to have a heart of change and to feel like they have the power to do so, right? Like, do I have the power to change my environment in terms of my relationship to food? Yes, I can say I'm not eating any more fast food. I'm going to plant some squash and some greens and eat that. To make that shift for those who've been so disempowered, so purposefully disempowered, and to expect them to rise up on that level without the adequate educational movement toward that is a very interesting thing. And everything about the life is meant not to think critically and rise above because if they began to do so, they may think about other areas in life where they may be disenfranchised because it comes down to what are you willing what are you willing to live for? Like when you see light in life and what's good, you talk about being able to walk around trees. It's a human right. It's a joy that most of us don't even know. Most of us have never tasted a real tomato where I'm from. We've had something that looks like a tomato. <laughs> but if we ever really tasted a real one, it would like probably blow our mind. But again, to get to the point where we feel empowered that we have the that we have the what is it the effect that we have the the stuff within us to remake the environment even to change our own ways right to to do something that others in our community is not doing because of epigenetics right there are things in us that some of our foreparents did that would literally get them killed. And we don't do those things. We don't stand up, say stuff, talk to people of different races or whatever, because down in us, right? So that's a lot of it's a lot of trauma that we cope with in order to so to have the capacity, to have the capacity to make that shift, to have the capacity to say that I am person enough, human enough to make that kind of shift, to see that our heart, it's really working with our communities to get them to that point. It's not necessarily not necessarily on, on automatic. Right now, you have a generation who are grandparents who were crack babies. Now, the crack babies are grandparents. And so the expectation, I think, in and of itself, to just do it can be a large ask without addressing some of the systematic pieces that have been put on the community without fully, yeah, without talking about things like even reparations, right? So we can talk about the trauma, we can talk about reconciliation, but to talk about what these communities need to feel whole, to feel human, 
We feel powerful enough to see ourselves as stewards of the planet. Because taking care of the planet, that's something that they do, right? Who puts a store in our community? Well, they took the store out. They put the store in. Most of our people don't feel empowered enough in order to even make changes in our own lives because that's not our life. That's not the life given to us. And so there's a lot, I think, there's a lot of intricacies in order to get where we really need to go. You said a lot just there, and I'm not sure I can, I want to see if I understand. You talked about, you were saying, you switched between they and we. And I wasn't sure if you were talking about your, how much you were talking about yourself and how much you were talking about others. And when you were talking about others, how much you were talking about others who are deeply connected to you or just separate from you in different ways. And so I'm a little confused. The, the listeners can't see it, but you're applauding that. What Should I stop and ask what the applause was for? Or yeah, sure. Do you mind seeing what my understanding oh, Yeah. Uh, hold your thought. I think it's good. I think it's. So the Africans, right? Some have a, a statement called Ubuntu, and we make a statement: "I am because we are, and we are because I am." So in the Western world, there's definitely that split between us and them, like the othering piece. So when I talk, yeah, I, I'm clapping because. I do move between the I and the we. So when I talk about the quote-unquote African-American community or Black community, since we are many things, there are individuals in our community because of trauma, because of stigma. And even myself, I talk about food justice and things of that nature, but I'm born in 1969. A few years later, Nixon not only takes us off the gold standard, but he floods our communities with with food-like substances. So my habits around food, my environment around food, right, has been a very disempowering, uh, I would even call it ignorance, because a lot of things, like we don't know how to eat because the things that we've been eating were not the things that our grandparents ate. Like my grandmother has never made a taco in her life. She doesn't know anything about that. That's not Actually, never, right? So I am both. So in some areas, in some ways, I may feel a bit more entitled, a bit more connected, a bit more able. But in other ways, I am still a product of East Oakland, California. So I flutter between both of those. So yes, it's it, it's I and it's we and it's the community. And I don't necessarily divide myself from the collective. So, all right. So, going back to thank you for clarifying. And you were saying that people have been through very difficult experiences, traumatic experiences. Things have been taken from them. And one of the, I, I was trying to connect that with you, your actions, because mm-hmm. I think this stem from your composting or not composting, or you're acting on your heart and soul. Or not, and I, I think what you were saying was that some people have had such difficult challenges and don't know what to do, or maybe are, are, are don't have the ability to do what they want to do, 
And if we don't fix everything, then what I do doesn't matter. I'm not sure if that was, or I'm, how can I act on this when, I'm, when there's a whole system to be changed? Am I distracting myself from systemic change if I do this? Yeah, I, I think it's both and. I, I think identic is, is both and, and I don't, does it matter? So again, what comes to me, I can't think of the author's name, so I can't give her credit, but I would, I, I may have said this before, but I can't think, think of, of, of the name of the book, but she is a researcher and doing a lot of environmental stuff. And she was over in Asia. And of course, they were fighting the big corporations and stuff of that nature. But she noticed that people working in some of these factories, the young ladies were helping build computers, but they had never, they've never seen a computer, right? In total, but they're building the parts. And so the corporation stuff and the business model was fighting back on, or people in the, in the nation were fighting back against some of the larger corporations that are trying to do environmental stuff. But she noticed that some of the workers were still wearing some of the t-shirts and clothes from the U.S. of some of these very, some of the very companies that they're fighting. And in her frustration, she was like, I don't understand how you all can be fighting against this, but individually, you, you don't seem to seem to make the connection. And the statement there is really a cultural statement that she tried to make. And it's in the lines, I think, of what I'm saying. Like they made the statement that, listen, individually, we can't do anything to turn back what's going on right now with climate change. That what needs to happen are large structural corporate governmental changes in the way we do business upon this earth, which is a large extractive economy. So individually, there's not much we can do that's going to make a difference. There are things that we should do that are right and that are right to us. But when it comes to making the changes, the large changes have to be made. Are you suggesting that if you were to change yourself to act on your values, that you would impede that from happening? What I'm suggesting is that, well, no, again, we should always do, and in the face of difficult circumstances, even if I live to the best of my ability, knowledge, joy with the earth, and ultimately because of big business and big decisions that are being made, human beings are destroyed on this earth. As long as the plants and the bumblebee survive, life goes on. So our brother, the bee, continues. And it may be our end, but for us to live right and righteous is good. What I'm saying is, though, is that there's a, the point that she was making is that the individual notion is a very Western way of thinking. And so she was just saying, culturally, everybody in the world does not hold the individual, rugged individual. What I do, they don't hold it to the same level. Yeah, they don't put as much of an ethic on what the individual does in other cultures as is put up on here in the West. And I'm gonna I propose tabling this for a moment because I think I'm gonna approach it from a different direction. Sure. But I think that you will disagree with what with the tone of what you're just saying. Or not the tone, but the, the theme of it. I want to return to your describing what the land means to you. 
to your connection to the land through your ancestry, through communities that you're connected with. And I propose to reconsider a new option, a new thing that you might be able to do to act on those, on that more explicitly than if I read you right, the composting wasn't really that connected to that. Maybe partly, but is there something that, that could come when you think of that and have that in your heart, something you could do to act on that feeling, the feelings that come to your heart, or actually when you think of that, what does come to your mind or your heart? Yeah, so I think maybe this is a piece. When I think about where we are as human beings upon the earth, as sentient beings, I think about how I am made and formed with my experience and how I tend to think about the world. What becomes closer to me in terms of what to do about the environment? And again, I just had a picture. If I buy, we were all at home in Louisiana last year, and my brothers were, and we were like building a barn. The barn had to be built. And so I've got two older brothers, three younger sisters, so nieces and nephews, everybody out there. And so I got out there and I had my hammer, and we had to take one part down before we got the other. So I'm out there working like everybody else is working. And my mom and uncle, they look at each other and they started telling jokes about Ambrose being outside, like, with a hammer in his hand. <laughs> and it was like, that's just not really his work. And, and again, I was like, right, but I'm just doing good. But that's not, that hasn't been, I guess that's not how I'm seen in family. And that's not, perhaps it's not one of my strengths. So when you ask, what do I do, right? That's oh, one and of I'm not yet. Let me go back to that moment. You're with your family. You got the hammer in your hand. Maybe you're breaking a sweat. They're laughing, but I think they're not making fun of, but more like teasing. What Name some emotions that you're feeling at that time. I'm feeling joy. I'm feeling affirmation. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling affirmed. I'm feeling seen. I'm feeling seen, affirmed. Seen sounds like a something physical. What when you've seen, what does that mean? Understood or yes, supported or yes, yes. And that comes from being with family, doing what feels natural, doing doing family things together. Back on the like, well, quite more directly, the teasing was Ambrose is a part of the family. We love Ambrose. There's stuff that he does that brings value. It's fun to see him out here with the hammer with everybody, but that's not Ambrose's work. Mm-hmm. You, you see? And so I'm being teased because I'm in a place doing this quote-unquote rugged piece with other members of my family. But what's acknowledged is that there's work that I do that's not as that doesn't have as much individual prowess, perhaps. That's not, that's just not, it's probably just not my most sincere expression. So It's not my gift. So based on these feelings of support, of understanding, of being seen, and of joy, 
I want you to table, and I, I'm in no way do I want to put this, denigrate this, but put aside fixing the world. Put aside the whole rest of the world. It may affect that. It may not. I'm not sure. But the, the point is to manifest those feelings. Manifest something like that in your life. If it doesn't, if doing so doesn't fix all the world's problems all by yourself overnight, I hereby release you. Like that's not the that's not the goal. But I think you might find that it it actually bears some relevance to that more than you expect. But that will come from the experience, not from thinking about it ahead of time or speculating or analyzing or planning, but from experience. Could you think of something to manifest to act on those feelings in your life? And it's not about fixing the world. It's not about systemic change. It's not about not that. You eat breakfast in the morning. You're not eating breakfast because that's not going to fix all the world's problems overnight. You tie your shoes in the morning, right? I presume. And you don't say, well, look, the whole world, I'm, I'm not, if, if I can't fix all the world's problems, we re-individuals don't, in other parts of the world, we don't focus on the individuals so much. And But you still tie your shoe. Now, this is not right. about tying shoes. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. But let's let go of that for a moment. Is there something you could do to act on those feelings, to manifest that, that joy, that feeling understood in your life? But do something that does have an effect on the environment, something that does, that after you do it, so, you say, oh, I've improved something. And you do it with your yeah. own hands, and you're not changing others. Well, well, see, <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I think we're really scratching on, I think we're really scratching on the there there for me. That's the, the loud laughter. When I tell you that my family was able to joke because they see me, because everything that you just asked me to set aside, mm -hmm. it's actually what I see and my family sees, that's part that gives me joy, as my individual gift. So, so there, like even, so I'm a pastor and sometimes when pastors preach, it is about individual piety. You're like, we're, yesterday was Fat Tuesday, today is Ash Wednesday. So now we're talking about you fasting. We're talking about you praying in your scripture, in your personal relationship with what is the divine. That's not my first gauge. My first gauge is someone who's from a liberation theology standpoint. We're just coming out of African-American history. So I'm most of all talking about us as a people together. I'm talking about the larger issue. So what we're talking about is who my gift and focus is if I'm able to help to run Bring the Church, which is an organization for the nation so that people can find ways to come together and work together, then that's my first gauge. Even though, and some may say that's hypocritical, right? If I can set the table so that those who need to recycle and compost and whatever can get to it and work on it, then that's my contribution in terms of putting that larger thing together. Some may argue with that, what's the word? Some may argue that if you're not doing all of those things, then maybe you shouldn't teach others how. But the big picture is working on the big picture 
is the piece that is most natural, that gives me most joy. And that I'm not saying me. not to do those things. I'm not saying that you are. But at the same time, I'm saying that what moves me on the inside, that's my natural gear. And if you ask me to lay my natural gear aside, then I begin to feel unseen. How do you brush your teeth in the evening with all mm -hmm. this? How do you brush your teeth in the evening with all of this? Because no one's going to brush it for you, and you're not going to brush anyone else's teeth. And yet, you probably want to brush your teeth. And here's what I'm hearing. If I'm not and one too... day, I won't be able to, and somebody else will have to brush my teeth, and you somebody else will have to. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that, that didn't affect you yesterday, though. Presumably, here's what I'm hearing. In, in another term, there's, there's child mortality in the world. There are infants who die innocently. Why? How can I change my baby's diaper when it doesn't solve infant mortality in the world? That's what you're hearing? Yeah. Well, again, I think that's good because at least where they're, at least where they're talking, I don't feel like I'm making. So I'm sure this conversation. And even when you say put it aside, you're not denigrating the work that needs to be done for the collective. That's not what you're doing. You are saying, though, that even with the work for the collective, how can you sharpen up your individual work? Perhaps. Or it's, it's something much deeper. That okay. if you view the work any work that, if you view acting as a distraction, as a burden, as something that's not core to the mission, as something that's ineffective, then no matter what you say or do, that will come out in everything you say and do. And people will feel, yes, it is important for other people to do things, but not me. Or my gift is this, and I'm actually feel confident. I, I can say that I know that if you act on your personal values and something relevant, that you yourself will find that you'll be more effective. I'm not tabling those things. I'm not putting them aside. I'm actually addressing them from an experiential standpoint as opposed to an academic or abstract way. Yeah. And I'm persisting because we have incredible defenses to keep ourselves from facing our beliefs that keep us from acting? Well, I would say that's a healthy theory. And I think that, that we would have to continue. It, it Theologically and culturally, though, the pieces that come up for me are the pieces around. So I always say that the highest level of spirituality is not independent. That as human beings, we move towards maturity and independence, where we begin to, that there are things that we learn how to do. I have to learn to brush my teeth. I have to be independent. Ultimately, though, the highest level of spirituality is not my independence. The highest level of spirituality is my interdependence, which means that I learn the things that I'm strong at and those things I do and I bring them forward. I also acknowledge the things that for whatever reason I may be weak at. And then I lean on others, that it is 
that we stay in relationship with others. And there are some things that some people are gifted to and work in and some things that they are not. And I definitely hear the uh, challenge individual. And again, these things are deaf on different levels, different motifs. But the challenge and agreement in what needs to be done on the planet in total, right? We are going to have different opinions about that. I, I work, one of my main goals, one of my main pieces is this notion of Afrocentricity. So for me, the building blocks of what it means for people in the African diaspora to be together is important. And so while there is an ethic of not kind of flying and things of that nature, I'm connecting with people in different parts of Africa. There's some cultural stuff, some places I have to be, some things that have to be learned. And so those things may not line up with the present ethics of others, but those are pieces that if I'm true to what I see my work on the planet is, that I'll do differently. I'm a church guy, right? So then do we trust that people are moving spirit or moving connected to greater consciousness or doing what they feel ethically led to do on the planet. Some of those things we may agree with, may not agree with, but being open to people living out their expressions differently is where I am. Yeah. So my invitation to act on deep felt emotions of yours I've gotten no engagement, and so I'll stop persisting on that. If you don't want to do it, then that's fine. I, I felt like like I was, but again, it's, it's, it was a two-way conversation. If you feel like there hasn't been any movement, I'll respect that. But Yeah, what's happened, this has happened a couple times before, is that if I say to someone, I invite you at the option to think of something to do to act on those values, and if I don't, if they first say, but what I do is so small compared to the system, systemic issues, I've never been able to get out of that hole. That's well, perhaps. And again, it's not about it's not about what I should do, but I do think and again it's not and never about that not being able to occur. I don't think that at the end where I said, Well, I, I decided not to do 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 that because the other stuff I'm doing is more important. That's just not a reality. You know, I even think even with the other commitment around food and what I'm doing personally there, again, a longer narrative to get there, but understanding kind of that individual piece. So I, I don't think it's from that perspective. I think when we talk about the big picture and the overall agreement in terms of which one is perhaps more ethical or can any of it be ethical without that individual prowess is, is just what I wanted to open up. I think I really want to open up the cultural piece that everybody in the world doesn't think about their individual movements the same way that it's thought about in the West. I, I think that was the only statement uh, that I really more wanted to make. I'm not sure if I follow. Let me see if I get what you're saying. Actually, I'm not sure I get what you're saying. Maybe that's the problem. Is that it seems to be you're talking about the difference between individual action and systemic change. Is that the general topic? 
individual action. I, I think those are two parameters, right? So I think, yeah, when you ask me about, right, like, have we done it individually? And what can you do? I think that's, I'm not sure. What can you do to make the changes on the planet? I'm just saying that everybody on the planet doesn't think in that way in terms of what I can do to change the planet. That in and of itself, that in and of itself is a very, it's a very empowered position to take. Everybody on the planet either doesn't feel that way from a cultural standpoint or the people who don't feel that way from just the environments that they lived in. We don't feel that empowered to decide that what I'm going to do is going to make a difference. So there's a lot of people who feel, for whatever reason, through how they were raised or the culture they were born in or things that are imposed on them, that they don't feel that what I do can make a difference. Correct. Yes. Is that other people? Is that you? Is that everyone? That is definitely part of the fight with communities that I work with. And I would say, as I'm growing, I find myself on that spectrum. So sometimes you feel what you don't see a way for what you do to make a difference. And there's a lot of people who feel that way. You feel that way to some degree, and others feel that completely. Or maybe they're not even aware of it. But Yeah. Yeah, I think some people don't feel entitled enough to even think about what they do as making a difference, not only in the collective, but even in their own lives. And these, are, and you work with some of these people. I work in the black community. This is the people I, you want I, to work with most. I mean, the people you. Work I mean, with that's where I am. People. I work in urban centers. I work with people who have been redlined in ghettos that are being gentrified. Yes. Is there? Would it be that if you acted with the feeling of entitlement that what you did made a difference, that you would distance yourself from them or maybe seem as disconnected? No. And again, I'm not. And again, I think what I do doesn't make a difference. I think we're still the rudiments of what I do. I guess the issue is I'm having a conversation. And it's not a black and white conversation. I, I guess I have to say that pretty strongly. It's not like nowhere in this conversation have I said that I shouldn't recycle or I shouldn't compost or I shouldn't change my eating habits. All those things are things that I do and that I do from sincere places. I am saying that and I'm also saying, though, in terms of how we talk about it, that there are other things that I do that are my mainstay that that my work often more so centers around the collective work. So my work doesn't center solely on, on the individual work. My work centers on the collective. What the community's doing, what the church is doing, I'm trying to green the church, I'm trying to green institutions. So my work is a connective work of that status. And so when we talk about, and because I 
am able and I definitely do things differently that yes, that's a model and some people can move towards that. But I, at the same time, I want to say that all communities don't hold that up. The individual prowess was my statement. Everybody doesn't hold that up as a chief ethic. I guess I should come clean that I'm really lost. I, I don't understand what there's people who don't feel empowered. There's people who don't feel entitled and don't see that what they do can make a difference or maybe what they do can't make a difference. Then you focus on collective action. And I think I, I can't help but hear, maybe I'm wrong, because I'm focused on collective, to focus on individual would be a distraction, would be counterproductive. No, didn't make like that statement. What I was trying to say very clearly is for our communities, there have to be more steps. There have to be more steps between the conversation of, and that's why the collective is so important. Let me see if I can. So here's a piece that we experienced working with interfaith communities that uh, I work with an organization who's putting out information. And this is still corporate information about what congregations can do to lower their energy bill, what they can do around food. And some of our non-Black congregations were able to get that information, read that information, call downtown, you know, they had to call their utility, make all the changes. For our communities, we needed some other steps. So I have a friend in Chicago who started green teams in black churches where somebody would have to go in, meet with them, acknowledge where they were, teach them, train them, and walk with them to get those things done. They needed some more steps. So when we talk about, even with myself, right? Because again, you always got to be gentle with, with yourself. There are some people in community, there are some people who have lived in this world in a very empowered way. And they can easily talk and have conversations about how I'm going to make this change in my life or how I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that. I'm just do it because my heart is right and I can just move. I'm saying that our communities with all of the trauma that has been experienced, with all of the everything that the communities have held sway, and that's people who lead like myself and people who are trying to raise children and whatever else. Because of that, we need more steps, more handholding to get us from where we are to where we need to be. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that, and again, as you tell your story and come alive and acknowledge and then you've been able to make those changes and moves, in the places where I come from, because of all of the corporate experiences, right, and some experiences epigenetically, not just what happened to me, but what happened to my granddaddy that's in my blood, because of all of that, we need more steps. That was my statement. It's not that it's something that's unnecessary or that shouldn't happen or is a distraction between the other stuff that I'm doing. I am saying 
that we need more steps. The needing more steps, as I understand, is people want to make a difference. They want to act, but they don't feel they can. And they need to, the steps is a route from feeling powerless to realizing the power that they is, is available to them. And does that mean that what I was suggesting, I, I th I'm also hearing that what I did perhaps it was easy for me. I don't, I know you're not saying that. I wouldn't say easy. I, I wouldn't say easy. And again, I, I don't know. It was more your, clear. I don't know your, and again, I'm looking at things not from an individual perspective. Uh, when I talk about my communities and I talk about Afrocentricity, I'm talking about a thousand years of oppression. Again, I don't even think individually. I'm not really, I don't know your narrative. What I am saying is that we have a people group that is not just suffered in the past, but even, again, I think about big pictures, but even I know that some black folk couldn't get into Poland when Russia's coming to, to Ukraine. So there are some realities in the world that, again, says we need more steps. And again, the because what happens from my standpoint a lot is, again, individually in this world, there's always people who can not only survive, but thrive. Like people, I talk about these communities, and yes, in all of these communities, we have people who come up, I mean, doctors and lawyers and great athletes, whatever. But the reality of the collective and how I look at it is such, is that in order to get people the expectation or the assumption sometimes that if that people could perhaps just dig deeper or could do whatever, I always want us to explore what are the pieces that need to be delivered to those communities, churches, what have you, in order for people to make better decisions, choices about their own individual life and livelihood. That's all. So there's people who would benefit from help. Is that right so far? That they're from thousands of years of oppression, they feel disempowered, they are disempowered in some ways. Sure. And they need to be shown. Even if the path was available, they might not see it. Of course, we don't, right. We've been chasing American culture as if it was the height of reality. So we saw people move to, to suburbia and buy big houses that we couldn't buy 40 years, years ago. So we're still trying to do that. We're trying to drive the cars they would drive. We're trying to catch up. The reality is many though who have lived those lives and had those experiences are coming to the reality. That's not the healthiest thing in the world. But somehow, before we, I've got, you know, friends who've been really exploring and seeing what's going on in Haiti. And Haiti has learned to, not Haiti, the Cuban people have learned to do more with less. And so we're trying to teach communities some of those practices. But again, for a community that's been chasing, trying to move up and trying to get out, the ghetto for the last 20, 30 years, you got to stop and say, hold on, what are we, we doing? 
that's not the direction that we've been trying to get is it to. So I, again, like all of that is philosophical and what have you. I think a part of the reality of the conversation is I'm, I'm trying to acknowledge simply that different communities look at the world differently and different communities, even in terms of getting to maturity, are going to need different levers in order to get them there. And those are some of the pieces that I think about a lot, that I work on a lot, that I feel is who I am. So in the midst of that, you've asked me about some of my individual pieces, and I don't think I've said that I shouldn't do those things, not interested in doing those things. That's not my statement. Again, that's helpful. All right. I think I'm starting to, I think things are starting to fall in place. Sorry if I'm taking a long time. All right, that's good. So there's people who are disempowered in many different ways. They've been chasing dreams that were maybe other people's values that weren't helpful for them. Maybe for some it was helpful, for many they found it unhelpful. They've been, they've been chasing the American dream, like everyone else who has a, a television set. And so to some extent, some of them have to, if they were chasing a dream that wasn't helpful for them, it's maybe not obvious to them that that wasn't so helpful, that it didn't come from inside, that it was coming from outside. And you, if I get it right, you're trying to find the levers that would enable them, that would get them on path, that would help them see the path that's maybe already there, but they don't see it, that would get communities that want to help themselves to effectively help themselves. And that's not easy. You're trying to look for what will do that because I'm guessing that, I don't know, the advertising for the, how did you put it, the not really food? Is probably yeah, the, impoverishing them. It's just food like substances. Correct. Yeah, I call it doof. I don't know if I've talked about doof. You did. Yeah. And right. Like that's something that's giving strong messages of consume this stuff. It'll make you happy. And it's not going to make them happy. It's going to make them unhealthy. And yet that's, it, it has its effect. And how do we, so if a lot of people feel that way, how do we awake them to that? How do we, affect that? How do we get them onto a different track? And that's what you're focused on. That's what your that's your goal. If I read you right, when you say the levers and the steps, it's like to Yeah, yeah. And acknowledging this guy named Henry Nowen, he talks about we are all wounded healers. Right. So again, my goal, my vision, my reading, my acknowledgement, my discovery of a heritage that dealt with food at the nutrient-based level is a discovery. It's something that's exciting. When I think about learning about my heritage, even of the Voodoo and municipal medicines, that all of that knowledge that was held, that from a Christian standpoint, we were told that was voodoo, it was bad, it was a lot of other things. So we spent time trying to break some of those pieces open. And then while I began to understand nutrient-dense food, and I understand this and that, I'm still born in 1969 and raised in, in East Oakland, so that there are still things that I have not personally 
totally overcome. So there is lifestyle stuff that needs to happen. But I acknowledge my woundedness. I acknowledge my environment. I acknowledge, I don't want to call them, yeah, I acknowledge my imperfections. I acknowledge that I'm not living my best life. And I'm showing, and, and I'm showing up still exploring how to get, how to be renewed, how to get back to some of those things that our elders knew and had. And in the midst of that, I'm dealing with the community that, as I'm talking about valuing some of these things of our grandparents, some of it, even from a spiritual standpoint, sounds like it goes against the grid of what the belief system is and what the church system is. So again, though, like those are, those are pieces. And so, yes, I get better in terms of eating. Yes, I get better in terms of recycling. I get better in terms of composting. And at the same time, I work for and towards the collective that we all feel. And it all happens at the same time. I think I understand a bit better of what you're communicating. I, and I apologize. I don't think I got all of it. Oh, no, it's not um, good. And, but I feel like what you're close with there, if, not to say you're closing, but what you said there was you want to help create these steps. You want to find these levers. You also want to do these things that are good for the environment. And they're not separate, but maybe they're both core. One of them felt a little more challenging and a little more your focus, what your what resonates with you. And in that context, I would guess that some guy comes in and says, I invite you to manifest your experience with your family in some way in your life, you're like, that doesn't really connect with either of those things. I'm not really sure what he's getting at, but it's not really, it doesn't really connect with what your life is about. Again, I wouldn't say that it doesn't connect. I wouldn't say that it's not a part of the whole. I think we receive it. I think it is perhaps, I think that perhaps, so the timing of it all, again, I talk with people around climate change, and even what we have to do as human beings and legislation and how we need to vote. And I'm like, yeah, black church is over 40 million people in this country. We need to get them together and get them rolling and get them out here saying stuff. I'm like, yeah, we, we do. But the reality is we've been asleep on a lot of these issues. And it's going to take some time to wake up the sleeping giant that is the black church. Time that we don't have. To that, I always say God's grace is sufficient because we can't get them mobilized and doing what's necessary today, even though there's a fire coming, that it has to be, it has to be in what we call in God's time. And we have to work. And it, it's the same piece, right? Like here we are trying to teach the black church either about climate change or some environmental justice fights that nobody's been fighting and people have literally been dying, right? Whether it's from eating too much doof or from the pollution laden with the energy grid, living on toxic, whatever. Like, this is any emergency. There's a, we're on fire. And yet we have to move methodically enough in order to wake people, in order to 
group people. And that's how I work. And even as individual stuff, as I talk about, I can recycle all day long. It's not going to get us, it's not going to help with this fire that's coming. But we got to re, 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 recycle. And for me, I've got to organize the black church. And people are like, we don't have time to organize. Just tell them to show up. And I'm like, I, I can't really make it work in a way that it doesn't work. So I've got to just keep doing, I, we, we've got to keep doing our work. And again, knowing that in time and in that we work off of pretenses, the word says, if my people will call by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, they will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And so we believe that there can be healing in the land. But in order for that to happen, we've got to do this work of pulling together and educating, and we're already out of time. Well, if you're saying that that's what you have to do, and what I was talking about was different than that, I hope I didn't waste your time. I, I really, what you described is what I believe that I'm doing. Yes. And I think it would be helpful. And that's why I persisted so much. Either, either I misunderstand or miscalibrate or misstated myself. But I really, what you say rings true. I'm not a member of the church. I'm not black. So that's going to, like, in two different ways. And nor am I from the South. But also, nor have I lived life on easy street. And I think people tend to assume things about me that aren't the case. True. But I'll stop. I'm certainly not interested in persisting anymore. But I think that as a pro, one of the things driving me is someone who has learned, who once taught, I thought the model for teaching is I have knowledge, you don't, I will teach you, and then you'll know. Then you'll know what to do. Wow. And then I've made a major shift in my life toward experiential education, and both in the classroom and in life, and how I learn, how I help others learn. And it's a technique that is the foundation of this podcast is and my work is it's education, but not education. How most people think because it's not about convincing. It's not about here's a bunch of facts and numbers. And now you know what to do, but it's about engaging in something in the gut, something that when it goes, I think it changes people. I mean, I just had a student come back and he said that he was doing what we learned in the classroom at his work. And he's an intern, a college student. And the person who was the vice president he was talking to, and he evoked tears of gratitude in, in this person who's maybe triple his age. And wow. that's just magnitude of emotion. It's not necessarily direction, but there's also direction. And, and that's what I'm working on, in particular because I don't know anyone who feel I don't know a single person, maybe of all the people I know, like a handful of people who feel engaged, connected, relevant. I don't see anyone who sees a path to make any difference. Mm. And so most people decide what I do doesn't matter. I'll just, I mean, what, they come up with various different things after that. And everyone's got reasons why. And they're all deeply meaningful, extraordinarily deeply meaningful. And they all have deep roots and they'll have com total community around them that will support them in this of inaction disconnection, disengagement, continuing with what's going on, what's created the problems that we see of lowering Earth's ability to sustain life, 
And I'm doing my best to work on these things. And it, it's really hard as because people every like roughly there's something like 7.9 billion people on the planet, something point eight not something like 7.899999999 billion are utterly convinced into their hearts that something should happen, but not by them. Something like 330 million Americans are saying what I do doesn't matter. And uh, I guess sometimes my techniques work and, and strategies work and sometimes they don't. Or sometimes, I, or I should put it, I have to learn other techniques. I have to learn other strategies. <laughs> because if something's not working, or give up, I could do, that's much more common. I could just say, I hope someone else fixes it. But I'm in, to me, a great loss, a feeling of helplessness that I want to help. And to think what I, I pressed on, that I persisted on, was, you're not going to say it, you saw it as irrelevant, but that's what it feels like. It, it fell on, it, it was a distraction. It was, uh, and took a lot of explanation for me to even get to where you were. And here, one of my big principles is to the others, you have to start where they are. So I wasn't anywhere close to where you are. Yeah, I think it's about, I think people have different strategies. I think of how perfectly to get to the end goal. I don't know how easy it is for everyone to value, right, these different strategies in this world. I will say that, that I value your story. I value your movement. I think that there are, are countless of individuals who can and will, who can, right? For whatever reason, right? This notion of being empowered enough to begin to make the move. And I think that what you're doing is definitely setting uh, a path, setting community, right? For those who are at that level and who are going to move in that way, shape, form, and fashion. And again, anything that we, we can do to help move that down. I've said even with Green the Church, I know there has to be paths for individuals because there are a percentage of individuals who want to know what they can do and how they can do it. I think either assuming, wishing, desiring that everybody on the planet takes that strategy up as the chief ethic and the chief strategy. I think doing some more exploration on that, again, because we don't want to other people and we don't want to draw small circles. We want to draw circles that all workers value. And I think sometimes if we look at what others do even as missing the mark. They say they're about this, but I don't see them doing it individually like where they're doing it. So they're not really about it, about it. I think it's pushing to see how others may be bringing value to what the end goal needs to be in different ways, in different facets. And Jesus said, if they're not, they're having this conversation this is Bible stuff, whatever it's worth. They were having this conversation and the disciples said, man, there's some people over there. They doing magic tricks. They doing something. They healing folks. Jesus, maybe we should go get them or tell them to stop. And he was like, listen, if, if they're not against us, they're for us. 
They may be doing something a little bit different or whatever, but they're not heretical or they're not bad. They're just on a different path, but they're trying to get it down. I think being able to embrace that. When I talk about cultures, right? We've got different cultures who, again, like don't necessarily even see or think of themselves as individuals, like in the world. I'm talking about the world. So how do they help us get to a place on the planet where we are, are more at balance? And are there things that they can do without changing their cultural motif, without thinking individually? What can they do? Because that's who they are. And that's earnestly how they live in the world. And we, we wouldn't want them following the Western train of thought help us get there because they're not Western. It should be okay and celebrated. Can we do that? Is there room for that? I think is what I would ask. Yeah. Always open for those cultural differences wherever they are. I want to keep engaging and for logistics at my end, I have to wrap up. Yeah, I'm more than happy to continue this conversation because you can probably tell I'm flummoxed in many ways and frustrated in many ways, but not in a bad way because curiosity is perhaps underlying it all. And I appreciate your patience. I propose if there's anything, is there anything to wrap up with for this conversation or anything you want to say to the listeners? No, just, just thanks. It's been a good conversation. It's, it's been, it's always good to, Chat with it's always a good, I call it a time, so it's always a good time. Glad to hear Ambrose. Thank you again. All right, Josh, blessings. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.